0: Okay, so we're going to continue on to our, our, our sermon today. Uh, we are going to go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 uh, to 17. And so if you have your Bible, please turn there. I think it's also on the screen. If you have your great Bible, it's on page 675. Page 675. Page 675. So if you need a Bible, go ahead and grab one. Page sixty-five. Page uh, 675. Uh, so we are on this series, as we mentioned, called Made for More, and we're going through the book of Ephesians. And when I say going through, you may be wondering, last week, Ben, you were at Ephesians 1. We must be going really fast, because now we're at Ephesians 5. Uh, you did not skip a week. Uh, you didn't miss out anything. I am skipping out the, first, uh, the following chapter 2, 3, and 4, uh, because... I am going to come back to chapter four. Chapter two and chapter three, I'm not going to spend much time on. Partially, it's not because it's not important, it's because mainly it's really about the B part that we're talking about. We'll talk about this framework B. Do and go. B. The B is we're sons of daughters of God, and the chapter two and three. A lot of it has to do with the gospel, so I'm gonna skip out on it uh, this time. Does not mean that it's not important. I encourage you to read that at your own free time. But today I want to jump to chapter five, chapter five, verse fifteen to seventeen. Let me read that for us. Here's uh, uh fourteen to 15, uh, 14 to seven, seventeen. Sorry. Here's what it says: For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Make the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So that's what we're going we're gonna to talk about today. So give you a uh, framework we've been talking about be, who are we created to be, do what are we created to do. And today we're going to tackle the last one, what are we supposed to, where are we supposed to go? Where is, are we supposed to bring the fullness of Christ to? But before we do that, I want to share a story with you. Uh, one of the closest moments to death that I have in my life so far happens on a freeway, If you drive around downtown L.A., you will know exactly where I'm talking about. Is this on-ramp, there's a a conjunction of the 5, the 10, the 101, on the way to the 60, where all those three converges. If you go from the 10 freeway going toward Chinatown, you will go almost past, uh, before you hit Chinatown, there's this gigantic ramp that wraps up into uh, the, the 10 freeway, continue on the 10 freeway before you go to 101. Um, that was the moment. where the star is. You see, that's where my brush with that was. What happened was, I don't remember exactly when, but I knew that it was probably after I graduated from high school, uh, from college. And I was heading out back out West to West LA. I don't remember why and what, but all I remember was I was really, really sleepy. Like I was literally like just bobbing for apples, driving the car and it was not nighttime. It was daytime. It was bright, it was sunny, I was just driving. I don't for whatever reason, I don't remember why. I was super sleepy. And I was I, and in fact what happened was I was driving and I fell asleep. And when I fell asleep, I was going up on that curve, that ram. And all the only thing I remember was I was asleep. The next thing I heard was bang. And then next thing I know is my car slowly going, down, and I remember this is a curve, this is on ramp, uh, this is a, 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 a cir- circular ramp, almost 360 degree. And so I was going, and then and the next thing I know is I was on the side of the on the side of the ramp. If you know what I'm talking about, there's only two lanes there. Next thing I know is I'm blocking the entire freeway, while people are going up and and super quick speed, and and I got and I was awake by that time, and I walk out of my car. And fortunately, people did not keep gassing up to on the freeway and hit me and next thing I know someone helped me and pushed my car to the side and When I look at the tire in my car i I've had flat tire before, but not like this. I have a hole in my tire, literally as big as my Bible, like you can see the flap of the of the tire like this, and what happened was I was going, I don't know how I did it, but I, somehow I was going on the freeway and start turning with my eyes closed and fall asleep. And the next thing I know, I got, I got hit on the tire at the back. And it popped the tire. And I, I, by God's grace, my car didn't spin, didn't do anything crazy. I could have flew out of the freeway. I got hit by the car behind me. But that was crazy. And the, the closest thing I experienced death was that moment. All because I was falling asleep. All because I was sleepy. If you have ever gone to Las Vegas or gone on any road trip outside of California, if you go on uh, the 5, I think there are many parts of the freeway there are. If you go to Las Vegas too, along the freeway where there's nobody around, there, if, there's these grooves on the side of the road. And if you accidentally drove on them, you know what's going to happen? These sound go, <laughs> they will make all these noise. The reason why they put them in there is because there are a lot of people <clears throat> like me fall asleep driving far away. They got sleepy and so they're dozing off in the wheel and they start driving and driving. And then they go. Rrr, rrr, rrr. And then so they needed those grooves to wake up drivers so they don't go off the freeway into the into the desert. I've done it quite a few times. In fact, sometimes uh, my family goes down to San Diego where my parents live. And there were times. I'm sure Hannah knows that. I'll get a little sleepy. The car just starts spinning a little too much on one side, starts drifting on the other side, and Hannah will like, say, Hey, Ben, are you you okay? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And then, that, and then she's like, Then she will crank up the AC maybe a little bit, turn up the music a little bit. You see, being sleepy can be very, very dangerous. Sleeping on the bed is a safe thing, but sleeping in the car while driving, that is not a good idea, as I found out for, in for, uh, for first-hand experience. Today, when we read in Ephesians chapter 5, when we talk about being, doing, and going, Paul kind of brought us to this point in chapter 5, verse, uh, verse 14. If you go back to the passage, here, what it says. He says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The apostle Paul gave the believers a warning to wake up to stop being sleepy, to wake up ahead, to wake up to know. And this is, uh, most scholars believe that this is a a conglomerate of passages mingled together. It's not a direct quote from Isaiah, but it's through several passages. But the idea is clear, is that Paul is quoting it to wake up the people, the Christians in Ephesus and say, wake up Christians, wake up where you're at. Stop being sleepy. We see throughout scripture, sleepiness is a a metaphor, a a, a picture of laziness, a picture of not being prepared, a picture of apathy, a picture of weariness i uh, just flash through some some passages for you. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 10 to 11, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. The idea is simple. Just fall asleep a little bit, you lose everything. If you're lazy... You won't get whatever, you, whatever that you're working toward or not working toward. Next one, Romans chapter 13, 11 to 12. The idea of being sleepy, waking up in the end time also shows up many times in many passages. Uh, Romans chapter 13. Besides this, Paul speaking, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. What Paul was saying is the end time is coming. Stop falling asleep. Start waking up. Jesus is going to come back. Continue on next one. First Thessalonians uh, finish. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. Then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Stop being sleepy. Stop living in the darkness. The idea is being ready. Stop being apathetic. Next one. First Thessalonians five five to seven four. You are all children of light. Children of the day, we are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. So you're falling asleep right now. This verse is for you. Keep awake and be sober. And for those who sleep, sleep at night. For those who get drunk, get are drunk at night. Go to the next one, please. I can go on and on and on and on. There are many, many verses. I think the best one capture this sleepiness is when the disciples Remember at the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus had this agony. It was said that Jesus was, was sweating like blood. And he, and there he brought his three closest disciples. And then you know what they did? In the most excruciating time, in the time where Jesus needed their, their support the most, they fell asleep. Not once, not twice, but three times. And Jesus had to go back and say, can't you guys just stay awake for one hour and pray with me? You see, there is this sleepiness that's going on, this, idea, this, this this reality that sometimes we as believers can drift, can become apathetic toward our faith and our walk with God. And But not just only the disciples, but before we get too harsh to them, think about for ourselves. Think about the church today with a capital C, not just this church. And I'm not naming anybody here, but the church in general in the Western world, how sleepy we are oftentimes with our walk with Jesus. Think about this. We have, you may have heard these comments. Maybe you are one of them. We struggle with these. We're trying to get people just to show up on a weekend for worship service. So we reward them. We coddle them. You can't come at 9.30. Let's show up at 10.30. You can't do 10.30. Let's do 11.30. You can't do 11.30. we we'll have afternoon. You still can't do what we'll do Sunday night. Maybe Saturday morning is easier. Saturday night works for you. We'll give you more options because we want to give you more choices because somehow we are sleeping in our walk with Jesus. Now understand there are times that we have work. We can't make those times but that's understandable. Think about reading scripture. We encourage people to get into the word of God. But you know how sleepy we get spiritually? You can't get in the Word. You know what? Just do it once a week. You can't do it once a week? Ten minutes. In my shelf, there's a booklet called Seven Minutes in the Word of God. You can't do ten, we'll do seven. You can't do the whole chapter, we do a verse. You can't do a verse, just do a word. That's how, how apathy starts growing among the church, among Christians. That's how we show up sleepy in our walk with Jesus. Not only the disciples, we ourselves are drifting away from God. We lower the bar of evangelism to invite a friend to church. That's evangelism for many of us in the Western world. If you invite a friend, that's evangelism. But for many of us, we don't go beyond knowing how to share what we really believe in. That's the bar that, the, that Jesus set for us. Share the gospel. Share clearly your testimony. We're afraid to pray out loud. For most of us, we're sleepy enough that the, the only prayer that we have is thank God for our food. I like how one, uh, one, one uh, preacher said it this way. He had this analogy in his sermon. On the stage, make a church. He came in. Excuse the, the graphic uh, language here. He came in with a fake breast. He put it on himself. And then he called he told his congregation, he said, You know what I do every week? Because everyone is so sleepy, not physically but spiritually in their walk with Jesus. What I do is every day I'm like breastfeed every Sunday I'm breastfeeding you. When you come to church, that's what I'm doing. I'm breastfeeding each one of you. Hopefully by the end of the week, you guys will come back. I'll breastfeed you again. That's how, we th- how sleepy we are as Christians in the Western world. Another, another preacher, another speaker put it this way. He said, I, 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 it's like when we come, we come with, instead of the balloon filled with helium that flies on its own, we'll fill it with regular air. You know what a balloon does when you can fill it regular air? You put it up and what happens? It falls back down, right? So you know what he, what he thinks of his job as a pastor is? Put up the balloon, you guys come. I'm going to hit it every Sunday. I'll make you feel bad. Hit it up again. Well, hit it up again. Let me just rebuke you some more. Let me just get bad again. Make you feel bad about yourself. And just keep slapping and slapping. That's the only way for Christians in America to stay up with God. But the Scripture tells us, Paul says, "Awake, O sleeper!" There is a sleepy problem in our churches. There's a sleepy problem in our lives. You cannot be do. And be called to be sons of God, to do the things the church are called to do, and while you're sleepy. That is not what we're called to do. We're called to be awake. One of our kids and our family have a problem of sleepwalking. Now, I don't know if any of you have family members that sleepwalk. But it's one of the strangest things, because they will wake up, their eyes will be open, and they will walk. And the first time when it happened, I have no idea that 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 he was sleepwalking and so what happened is I I won't share the names to protect the innocence. But uh so he was walking around and I was wondering, why are you up at eleven? And why are you going to the kitchen? And so he's just c- talking to me like he was awake. And he was just but he would he would even say words that I can un- I can listen to, but it does not make any sense. So finally, I have to physically move him back into his room, and turn off the light, and go go to sleep, man. and go okay. And then couple couple weeks again, it happens again. He just kind of doesn't. You know, you if you see a sleepwalking person, they have no idea what they're doing, but they're just merely functioning with their subconscious. They just do it because they, in their, in their mind, deep in their consciousness, they know that oh, this is what I do. Go to the fridge, go to the restroom, go get food. And so one time we were staying up at a place where there's a loft, like 15 feet high loft. And the person who sleepwalked in her family said, "Can I sleep up there?" And my answer is no, because I was worried that he would actually sleepwalk out of the loft, and you cannot walk down the, from the loft. It's a ladder down the loft. So if he is actually sleepwalking and walk out, the next thing he sees is not a couple inches fall, it's a fifteen feet fall. So we actually have to ban him from sleeping up in the loft on vacation so that he can sleep in the room for his own safety. Here's a question I want to ask you. That's a question I asked myself this week. Do I approach God in the same way? Do I sleepwalk my Christian walk? Because somehow in there, I know what I'm supposed to do, and I'm just going through the motion. Sunday, 9.15, hop onto the car, show up at church. 11th, 11.15, service starts. Take out the Bible, look up, sing the song on the screen, pray and when we're supposed to pray, listen to the sermon, look, try to stay awake go back to work, go back to school the next day, and we're just going through motion. Are we sleepwalking through our Christian life? Are we just doing the things because somehow we know in our head that's what we're supposed to do? Or are we really awake, alert, living, prepared for Jesus? Many times we are sleeping sleepwalking through our lives and sometimes we're sleeping through our life. And here's the danger. When you do that, when you start sleepwalking, you missed out on what God has called you to do. When you start living life, falling asleep, it becomes a danger to you and to the people around us. We started a series talking about Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, that there there are two promises God promised for those of us believers. First one is this, in chapter 2, verse 10, that we are God's workmanship. We're created to do good works. That we are made to do more. What you do, who you are, is not just another thing. You are God's workmanship, precious work of God. And not only that, he promised in John chapter 10, verse 10, that you are made for more. That you have life and have it abundantly. That God does not want you to sleepwalk through this life. Man, I've met way too many people one day to look back in their lives. When they become, during in their 30s, 40s, and 50s and say, what have I done with my life? See, for many of you, you are in your teens and you're wondering, well, I have a whole life ahead of me. But before you know it, the life ahead of you becomes the life behind you. And you wonder, did my life it really mean anything? Did I actually accomplish anything? And when you are sleepwalking through your life, and when you are falling asleep, a, a bobbing for apples through your life, you will miss out on the more that God has called you to do. So then the question, is, what are we called to do, right? We talked about last week, bringing the fullness of Christ to every nook and cranny into this broken world. So here's what we're saying. So what are we staying awake for? Here in verse 15, Paul tells us what are we ultimately staying awake for? Let's look at it right here, verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. The Great Commission starts with the word go. Here, while it does not say go, it says walk. Where are we supposed to go? Where are we supposed to bring our lives, the fullness of Christ, to? Where are we supposed to go? Where are we supposed to walk to? Now, here's the thing. I don't know where you are supposed to go to, particularly, because I'm not you. I don't know where God is sending each one of you to. But one thing I know for sure, it is not as far as you think it is. See, Matthew 28, 19, 20, when we recite the Great Commission, it started with the word go. And for many of us, we think of go to be somewhere far away. We think of go as something really far away because it says go and make disciples of what? All nations. So automatically we think if I don't go overseas, then I'm not going. But you know what Acts one eight says? Acts 1, eight says this. I think it should be on the screen. Can you go to the next slide, please? Acts 1.8. It says this, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and all Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Three places, Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, where the region is, and to the end of the earth. For many of us, when we read this, we think, oh, this is a progression. I need to go to Jerusalem first. Then after I'm done with Jerusalem, then I go to Judea, Samaria. Maybe I'll go to, I live in Temple City. i go to Temple City first. Then I'll go to California. Then I'll move on to other nations. Then to the ends of the earth. For many of us, our mistake is that we think of this verse, what God has called you and I to do, is step by step by step. But this is not a progression. This is actually a destination. The whole book of Acts is fulfilling this. Imagine if the apostle never got out of Jerusalem. There will be no book of Acts. If there's no book of Acts, there will be no New Testament. God did not call to just go to Jerusalem now and then go after they go to the region. But he said, go start going to Jerusalem and simultaneously there's opportunity for you to go to Judea and Samaria and also to the ends of the earth. It's not A, B, C, it's A, B, C altogether. But it does start where you're at. That's what verse 15 tells us. We need to walk. The reason why Paul didn't give you a a destination is because verse 16, how how should we walk? How do we walk wisely? Verse 16 tells us, make the best use of the time. I think in NIV, it translates, make the most of every opportunity. Make the best use of your time. Make Make the best use of your opportunity. You don't need to go far. God doesn't have, need, need you to go really far in order to bring the fullness of Christ into the world. We all have places that we're going to. We all have places that we're going to tomorrow, even the day off, you have a place to go to. Even if you don't step out of the house, you have a place that you're already at. You see, when God calls us to go, he's not calling us to go somewhere far necessarily. Although some of us should be going somewhere far, if God so calls us. I want to draw this up for us. See, for every one of us, God has already divinely called us to many places. Just think with me. You are already at a place called family. You are at a place called family. That is a place that you already walk to, go to. There's a place called school for some of you, there's a place called work, there's a place called LA Fitness. Or we should go there more sometimes. Uh, there's a place called uh, tutoring after school. There is a place called restaurant, shop, Starbucks. Whatever places you're going to, and I guarantee you, if you sit down this week and draw get a white piece of paper and start listing out the areas that you are already going to, even break it down to your school, First period, second period, third period, fourth period, soccer team, band, where I take my kids to go play sports in. You have many places that you are already going to. And what God says is this through Paul is that make the best use of the time. Because in every one of these areas, there are names. There is Caleb, Luke, Josiah. Tiger, Aaron, for my work, well, for your work or for your school, there are people there. You don't need to go all the way across the ocean to meet people, to share the love of Christ. There are people in each one of these arena that is already ready for you. And God has sent you. It was Charles Spurgeon who famously says this, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. So either you're the real deal. If you're a real deal Christian, then you're a missionary. If you are impostor, that means you're the fake. That you're the generic fake brand of things. And Charles Spurgeon, the reason why he brought it up is because we are we are baked into our identity of going. Because as a Christian, as sons and daughters of God, as the Church, we are called to go. But then the question is for us: Are we going with our eyes open? Or are we sleepwalking through every one of these areas? Are we walking with our eyes wide open? Here's a challenge for you. This week, starting today, in every one of these places you go to, I want you to change your mindset to this. Instead of going to get something from these places, go to give something. Think of instead of going to your family to get something from them, Think of giving. What can you give to your family? Instead of going to a restaurant to get food and go, what can you give? How can you give Jesus to the people there? This is one of the reasons why my family would go to the same restaurant all the time. One is because we're boring. Two is because we want to build relationship with people there. And those of you who have gone out eat, eating with us, you know that there are several restaurants that we know that waiters and waitresses really well because we've gone there many, many times. And that gave us an opportunity to go with our eyes wide open. How can we bless them? How can we give Jesus to them? Does it mean that every time we're knocking it park with the gospel? No. But sometimes it does start with relationship leads to prayer. Leads to asking them how they're doing. So I want to challenge you this week. Go, don't get stuff, but go and give Jesus. Earlier, Jojo kind of made reference to the challenge I gave him actually for his school is be the pastor of the school. What if you are the pastor of your workplace? What if you're a pastor of the school? You start thinking differently. You're not going there and thinking, what can you guys give to me? What can I get from you? If you are the pastor, you start caring for the people there. You start thinking, I want to care well for the people in that class. I want to care well for the people in that boba place. I want to care well for the people that I work out with or people who are next to me. I see every Tuesday night when I work out. Now, what can we get, but what can we give and start thinking. You are the pastor. You know the reality is? I cannot be the pastor for every one of your circles. Nor should I. God didn't call me, but God called you. So are you being the pastor? Are you being the minister in those places? Because that's who we are as a church. We are to minister to the people of God and the people who have yet to have God. And so being wide awake means that we need to go in with the mindset of giving Jesus to them. I want to I wanna ask uh, Hannah to come up because I love my wife. Oh, and I don't, I don't mean to brag on her. But um, honestly, she's one of the biggest encouragement to me of someone living out the things that I'm preaching about weekly daily we talk about her coworkers and the people that she ministered at work and she is not a pastor she is a nurse in Huntington Memorial Hospital and but what she does profoundly impact people and she's one of I don't want I don't want to keep keep adding more but she's one of the most evangelistic people that I know of in my life that challenges me as I'm preaching this this message how we can go to wherever God has led me so I kind of asked her to share just briefly some of her experience recently just literally the last few weeks some of you guys have heard of this so I apologize for that but uh, she has shared this and it's just the last few weeks uh, that she has two incidents of how she get to give Jesus cool thanks Hannah let's give her a hand thank you I mean those are just some examples I want to encourage you when we're talking about going, we're not... Again, if God calls you to go halfway around the world, please hop on a plane tonight and go. But before we go there, you cannot be a missionary over there without first being a missionary here. And God has called us to go. And here I want to end on these three things for us. As we talk about sleepiness, how do we snap ourselves out of sleepiness? Here's three things from personal experience, hopefully translate to spiritual. Here's the first one. Do something that is uncomfortable. When you're falling asleep, you do whatever it takes to, to, to wick yourself, pinch yourself, pour hot, cold water over your head, whatever it takes. Those of you who drive long distance, you know what I mean. You do some silly thing just to keep yourself awake. Sit up straighter, put something behind your back. Sometimes that's what we need spiritually to stay alert, to stay awake. Try fasting. Fast once a week. Start praying for the people. Is it easy? No, it's not. Even Hannah putting out the the reminder praying once a week, committed to prayer. It takes work. It takes sacrifices. Read the scripture. It's hard to read the Bible. There are days I don't want to read the scripture. But when you start doing uncomfortable things to help you stay awake, God will honor that. You don't earn your salvation, but God will honor you. It will keep you staying alert in what God has called you to do because that's who you are and what he made you to be. Here's the second one. So first one, do something uncomfortable. Second one is this, have someone next to you. Driving alone, being sleepy, result in car accident like mine. So if I have someone next to me when I'm driving sleepy, they can wake me up, they can help me, they can bump me, they can talk to me and keep me alert. Same thing is true. This is why we need the church. We need one another. There are times that you need someone to pick you up. Because there are times that you are sleepwalking and falling asleep. You need your brother next to you in your small group in your church here to wake you up and say, Hey, are you doing okay? Like, are you drifting? Are you just on cruise control? Because they they might see the danger ahead of you. And you might not see yourself because your eyes are closed. So we need one another. We need more than one. We need, more, we need a group of people around us. Here's the last one. Fill yourself up with Jesus and the gospel. When I get sleepy, I drink coffee. Some of you drink Red Bull. Some of you drink Coca Cola. All those will work physically, but spiritually, we need to fill ourselves up with Jesus. Which is one of the reasons why I chose the song, Your Love Awakens Me, in the beginning. I have yet to find someone who is on fire for Jesus without knowing, convicted that they're feeling convicted that they're loved by Jesus. If it's just your resolve, if it's just your your discipline to get you to do things for Jesus, it will not last. But unless you know that you're loved by God, unless you're reading, singing songs, being reminded daily that Jesus loves you, that will be the fuel to keep you awake. Because how can we possibly understand Jesus' love and yet not do something about it? So do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to go where Jesus goes? We need to start not with doing on our own, but we need to start with coming back to the cross every day. That's why we need to read the scripture. That's why we need the gospel, to preach the gospel to ourselves every single day. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your word. God, if there are any of us here who are sleepy, who are sleepwalking, there are any of us who, who is drifting away, God, I pray this message, the word will wake us up again. Help us to come back to you, to be filled with your love, to, be, to know undeniably that in spite of who we once were, you rescued us from darkness into marvelous light. God, help us to walk with our eyes wide open every single day to every arena that you have called us to. Lord, help us to become the people that you call us to be to do the things you have called us to do. And I as I pray this week as we go, our eyes will be open. We will see faces. We'll not go in and just take things, but we'll go and give Jesus to the people that you have entrusted us with. So thank you for sending us out. And so God, as we sing this next song, God, I pray that that will be the response of our heart, that we will follow We will follow. Even if we lose our lives, we will follow you because you are worthy of that following. You are the Lord of our lives. And our lives belong to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.